This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why would you choose Sean over Blake Lively? Why would that be the choice? I was really confused in that confrontation. <laughs> when when Anna Kendrick shot him, I was like, yes, right, cool. Good. Okay, and now you're going to turn to Blake Lively mm. and be like, okay, babe, we've done it. Like, let's run. Let's take the four million, run, take our kids. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Like, this asshole can just lie in the mess he made. Maybe the ambulance will get there on time. Maybe they won't. Who cares? And <laughs> it would have been great. And then it's like, no, she, like, she chose to team up with Sean like come on like and the level of kind of what's wrong with Sean I like Sean I like crazy rich Asians there you go hey everybody welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast today I'm joined by Ella hello Becky hiya and Helen hello as always and we are going to be talking about a simple favour Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. In our studio today, we have Becky and Ella. If you would like to introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them about the work that you do. Hiya, I'm Becky. Um, I am guesting over here today from a podcast called And Then What? It's a podcast all about stories. And, the, and what, what do you mean it's a podcast about stories? Well, the general premise is just two friends sitting in a room trying to make each other uh, laugh or cry or very angry with the stories that we tell. And the stories can come from anywhere. So it could be something bizarre that we found on Reddit or something mm-hmm. we've seen in the news, something we've written, an old, old folktale tale. All sorts of stuff. Uh, sometimes a long joke, but a short story will suffice. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it can be absolutely anything. We're actually on a little bit of a hiatus right now because my co-host Amy had a baby. Congratulations, so, Amy. Congratulations. So, so at least she can listen to your voice in this. Exactly. And her son can continue to get used to me being around all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I heard one um, story, which I, I'm on Reddit quite a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and there's one story you read out, which I'd read, which I'd read on Reddit um, the independently. Man. The R. Kelly man, No. Which one? It's about a guy who autofillated himself in front of his assistants. <laughs> that was such a good one. It was a tourist I just didn't see coming. It was, well, neither so did anyone was, in the room, really. It was such a good one. It's like, was that the day I fucked up? 
The, yeah, to have yeah. Um, <laughs> Tifu, the Tifu, r slash Tifu thread on, on Reddit. Um, Ella, who are you? Uh, who am I? That's a big question. <laughs> uh, I'm a podcast person. So I'm sort of guessing from the Orphans podcast, which is a sci-fi drama that I work on as an assistant producer. Mm-hmm. However, that is not all I do. Um, in addition to that, I'm a podcast producer for BBC Studios. I work in commissioning uh, podcasts for BBC Sounds, specifically in drama. Mm-hmm. And I also work across a range of drama podcasts. So I have worked with Wooden Overcoats. I've worked with uh, Victoriosity. Um, and I used to produce The Unseen Hour, which is a horror comedy. Um, and then I generally sort of consult for and sort of coordinate the international fiction podcast community. So those are, these are audio fictions, probably the hardest form of podcasting you can do. And you've chosen to niche down in that world i mean i feel like it's really kicking every other podcaster in the teeth if i'm like what i do is way harder than what you do um, i mean let's be honest me and helen just come into this into this glass cube once every other week and talk about films which other people have chosen yes so i think <laughs> we did have to choose them once ourselves though yeah that yeah once once in a hundred we choose <laughs> we choose the films I think we have a we have the kind of latch into the stick. You have a really neat setup, though. Like this is more mm. organised than some scripted podcasts I've seen. Like with casts of like more than twenty people, you've oh, got wow. like a display. You've got notes. Like I'm I'm honestly impressed. We don't have notes. You've got notes. You guys have got notes. No, we do. You're right. I have notes <laughs> in a notebook. I have notes on my phone. I had which notes on my laptop, in. which I put away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we're talking today about A Simple Favour, which is your choice, Becky. Yes. Uh, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a one-minute synopsis? Um, I chose A Simple Favour because it's very on-brand for me in that it's uh, quite silly and very camp. Um, and it's a thriller with women at the centre of a crime story, which I love. It focuses on Anna Kendrick's character, uh, kind of a mommy vlogger called Stephanie Smothers. Mm-hmm. And she's very prim and proper and um, signs up and volunteers for all the stuff. And then she and... Another mom at the school, they, their worlds collide and this other mom couldn't be more different. She's played by Blake Lively and she's incredibly chic. She wears like elegant men's tailoring and uh, she swears a lot and she drinks a lot. She's very sexually adventurous and she's quite a mystery. And she one day asks Stephanie for a simple favour. And, <laughs> and um, basically that leads to general chaos in Stephanie's life. Blake Lively's character goes missing. Nobody knows where she is. It becomes an absolute crime mystery. And what's great and it's kind of quite a funny narrative device is that um, Stephanie, Anna Kendrick's character, yep. documents this uh, this crime mystery on her very popular vlog that becomes ever more popular um, as the story unfolds. And there's lots of twists and turns. Uh, Blake Lively's character is not who she says she is. Shocker! And um, it all ends in a bang. Well, I yeah, I did actually notice at the start she had very less, very few followers, and then yes. she get more and more. Mm-hmm. That's, that's <laughs> key, just key for the plot there. It, indeed, to, yeah. Involve. Helen, what were your thoughts on a simple favour? Um, so I had not seen this before. I don't think I'd ever seen this before anywhere. I was not on my radar. It's quite relatively mm-hmm. new. So it came out two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it coming out, but I, I think the reviews were kind of like. It's quite interesting, but I thought, I don't want to go and actually see this in the cinema. So I I thought I'd wait until it came out to a streaming platform. Yeah, so I I like um, the things that Anna Kendrick does. I think she's quite fun and Mm. she's quite a lot of fun in this. Um, And I was thinking, I don't actually think I've ever seen Blake Lively in anything. So this is my Ah. introduction to her. She's Gossip Girl was was her big TV thing. Was she in the OC as well? Or am I thinking of someone else? uh, She was in, oh, I wish I could remember the film a few years ago where she played a woman who didn't age on the outside. (laughs) (laughs) 
but so, no, she's been, oh, she was in a really good, uh, no, it wasn't called Crawl. It was a horror, it was a creature feature. Apparently she was amazing in that. I don't know why I'm looking too well. I mean, there is, there is a horror film called Crawl, but yeah, no, unfortunately. That came out recently, yeah. Uh, so, no. Honestly, my knowledge of Blake Lively is very, very slim. Same. Apart from this, but. Um, what about the Vampire Weekend song? Is there a line in about that? That goes, Blake's got a new face. Oh, is that what it's about? I think it's about her. I always just assumed it was. Yeah. Blake's got a new face. Resist the urge to say who she's married to because she is more than the person she's married to. Yes, I agree with this. But Um, also their marriage is very entertaining. (laughs) Uh, Who's she married to? Ryan Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) It's one of those things now and now I'm like, I I didn't care. I care. (laughs) I don't care now. Some people do. Some people care more about that than they do yeah. what she does. Um, so anyway, yes, I enjoyed this. Um, I don't really know what I was expecting it to be. Um, so it, it neither met or did not meet my expectations. It's it's quite fun. Um, and yeah, it, it does kind of keep you guessing. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think that's gen, gen, my general okay. feeling, feeling general about gist. it. Yeah. Ella. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I should preface this with the fact that I am very bi and I perpetuate a lot of bi stereotypes because I fall in love with people very easily. And I want to be clear that not all bi people do that. It's 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 a me problem, not a bi problem. <laughs> um, so I remembered seeing trailers for this film because yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively fall in love over like messing with a man. And that's going to be great. And then I found out that it wasn't gay. And I was like, I can't watch it now because the heartbreak is too much. <laughs> then I watched it and I really enjoyed it. And I kept thinking they were going to make it gay. And I kind of like live blogged to myself as I was watching. And I had a couple of times of like, I really want this to be gay. It is gay. Oh, it's not gay. Um, and my my entire opinion of the film is a little bit coloured by (laughs) (laughs) wanting Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick to get together and not getting that. But I did think it was really cool. I did really enjoy how camp it was. And I do love the fact that it had these women at the centre. And I love the fact that it it kind of felt like Anna Kendrick was like an accidental true crime podcaster Mm. kind of person. And that really entertained me. Because I think when I've seen people try to do that with podcasts, I haven't often seen it work very well Mm -hmm. but with this I just I just loved the commitment to the mummy vlog and I loved the commitment to the mummy aesthetic I liked the fact that as she got darker and darker she was still wearing like bobble sweaters um and like her little booties uh so yeah I enjoyed it but I I, you know make it gay (laughs) (laughs) did they they kiss at some point yeah they did and I I think that could have been more of a bigger sort of twist on the ending right maybe if it did all turn out that they were kind of conspiring against him. Oh. But there are other films that, that, that do the gay and conspiring thing, but I think, I don't know, it, it could have enough. taken a different way. Well, yeah. There are not enough of them. And I was disappointed that, like, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't that they, that they had teamed up in, you know, in a kind of, like, badass criminal ladies style. I mean, this is a spoiler. I feel like I'm, you know. Well, we we are allowed spoilers, oh, yeah. so that, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when the, they kind of have the, the, the toast at the gravestone, I kind of thought that maybe they were going to make some kind of alliance to go in it together Me and too. kind of split the money and basically punish the husband for being very, oh, my wife's dead, I'm going to sleep with mm. her best friend. Like, quickly. Really? Or, and also, it also alludes to that he's possibly sleeping with his office Oh yeah, PA? With his PA yeah. Or something. Yeah, but that was. So I wasn't think that, he, he or, could have been the victim a bit more. Wasn't that announced in the threesome story that she said? 
she said she had a, she had a threesome with her her husband and his PA or yes, assistant. Yes, that's yeah. right. I actually missed that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I can remember what they called call her then. But then uh, I don't know if that's obviously was a consensual thing outside of but that. But then he, that he later says that that was a lie. So oh, right, that okay. was her digging yeah. at him having an affair with her. That's it. For, so but basically, he's a bit of a dirty dog, and I don't think he's punished enough. So right from the start, you're not sure. It's a bit of an unreliable narration thing going on, isn't there? You're not sure who to trust, who to believe yeah. uh, between the between well Henry Golding's character and um, and Blake and and Anna Kendrick's kind of I'm just going to call him by the actor name because I yeah. I can't remember who <laughs> no was one who. Cares what their own names are. Um, <laughs> I look I really like Anna Kendrick and and apart from Pitch Perfect three and <laughs> the other the other Twilight films after the first one which I um, I thought she was in those yeah, yeah. but that she's awesome in in um, Scott Pilgrim yes she yep. is up in the air she's, up, she's in yeah. a lot of and she's and then this is a really good comedic kind of actor when she's like trying to get out of the dress and and stuff like that I think she's great oh she's really good one of the um, one of the I was like making notes about each of the actors as I went end along. of watch yes end of watch she's in up in the air an upcoming Chris Morris film as well oh she in that really yeah, good yeah I was making notes as I went along and um, I was doing a little bit of uh, research on the background of the film. And it was originally acquired by Fox, and then they eventually had to let it go, and it went to Lionsgate, which is when the director, Paul Feig? Feig? Mm-hmm. Feig. Either. Feig? One of the two. Um, when he got attached to it, and then finally made a sort of comedy without Melissa McCarthy, whom I love, by the way, and that's not a dig <laughs> at all. Um, but the more and more I was watching it, I was trying to think, well, if it had gone to Fox and stayed there, like who? what would have been the casting for that? And the more and more I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, actually... Because Anna Kendrick, I love her, but she does kind of play this character a lot in, in, in various films. But this has got a, like a darker twist. It's a bit more crimey. It's almost like Gone Girl, but Anna Kendrick has like fan fictioned herself into it. Into Gone Girl. <laughs> which I quite enjoy. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really into that premise quite a lot, which is why I really enjoy this film for so a number of reasons. You're a script editor. It's part of one of the things you do, isn't uh, it? A script consultant. Script consultant. So, yeah. So, um, have, you, have you read the script to this? Do you approve? I haven't, I kind of don't want to ruin it for myself a little bit because I do sort of want to read the book that it's originally based on. Right. So I think that would be like really Darcy interesting. Bell. Yeah, because there are um, a lot of things when I was researching, like, for example, the costuming in the film, which is stunning. I don't know if you agree on Blake Lively. <laughs> Ella is like shaking. Of <laughs> shaking course, <her>. I do. <laughs> Nodding vigorously. I think I saw a, 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 like an interview with Blake Lively where mm. she'd said that she wanted to wear a suit and they were like, oh, are you sure that'll be sexy? And she was like, trust me. It'll be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I can make anything work. I mean, but um, that wasn't, apparently that's not really an element in the book. That was very much a collaborative decision between Blake Lively and the costume designer as well. And th- they didn't actually look too far. They were like, what should we make her wear that will make her stand out? And then they looked at the director and Paul Feeth, like, because he's always very dapperly dressed and they just, yeah, they made her look amazing. So apparently there's quite a few elements from the book that are different to the film, which is why I would like to read it. But I don't know, I don't want to, because it does make me think, uh, oh, actually, no, I would like to read the script. I'm going to completely one you myself because because I really want to interrogate that last 20 minutes <laughs> in the script, which I do not enjoy. <laughs> what happens? Okay, so the one thing is, I guess, to talk about is that, did you believe that she was ever dead or missing? Or I, mm, yeah, mm. Well, she couldn't have been dead. It was yeah. one of those things. But then when a body turns up, you're like, oh, maybe. And we see the body. But the key is the tattoo. Mm-hmm. Because she's already shown her the tattoo yeah. and and the ring and the ring yeah mm. and that's the key thing that's the misdirection it's like yeah. well it has to be them because it it's be got them. those two things exactly. that are very distinguishable yeah. so there's one of those things where 
something happens so early on in the film, you think that's not the end of the film. So there's more to it. It's almost like, in spite of yourself, as as a kind of cine literate person, you kind of think she's not dead. It's not that kind of film where that happens. It kind of the concept of and how it's kind of set up and how um, Paul Fee kind of works. It's not like um, it's not like Fincher, for example. If, if, if this was a Fincher film, she would have been dead. Oh, but, yeah. but because it wasn't that kind of construct, it was like she's not dead. Well, no, and also, like, I mean, for me, it was the tattoo gave it away. Like, it was mm-hmm. way too obvious. Right, they were yeah. just like, oh, Look by the one. way, <laughs> I've got this tattoo. Just so you know, everyone, remember, I've got this tattoo. Check and oh, tattoo. my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it went off too early. And yeah. it was like, well, this this can't be right. And also, it just didn't make any sense for Emily's character to, like, what, like, drive into a lake as if. She'd be mm-hmm. way more dramatic than that. <laughs> like, even before we find out the depths of her complexity, <laughs> you know that that's not the way that she'd, you know, if she was going to um, commit suicide or get into some kind of drama, then it would be public and it would be big and it would be stupid. Not in the middle of the night in a lake in the middle of nowhere. Like, um, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't believe that for a second. I did really believe that Stephanie had murdered her brother and husband. I right. was very surprised that she hadn't murdered them. Sorry, Blake Lively, is this? No, no, Anna Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought that it was going to turn out that she'd murdered them, that Blake Lively knew that, and that Blake Lively had recruited her to frame her husband and that they were, like, criminals. I mean, again, this might have been my brain trying to find ways to make it gay. I kind of wondered what the whole brother fucker thing was going to turn into. Yeah. I thought there was going to be more to it other than that. She had sex with a stepbrother. Was it? Yeah. What, what was it? Was it step brother? Half brother. Okay. And her husband found out and drove them both into a wall at yeah. speeds. And so that was purely there to give the plot point for Blake Lively's character to pretend to kill herself. Yeah. I kind of was expecting there to be a bit more about that, or I don't. I don't. I didn't really see that bit. There's feeding this, in. There's this one shot that it keeps coming back to when when um, Anna Kendrick is being interrogated uh, of her in this purple dress opening the door and the police are being like have you ever spoken to the police before and then it cuts to her now and she's like no I, I mean I'm just mm. not used to it and then you know that she has and then it keeps cutting to the car crash and I kept thinking oh she's lied to the police before and she's comfortable with this and then she makes a lot of comments about how everyone assumes that she's a saint and assumes that she's whiter than white mm. and the whole scene where Blake Lively finds out that she fucked her stepbrother like I felt like she was holding something back, and yeah, no, I was, I was certain that she just <laughs> like, got rid of her thing? problem. What's the thing? Yeah, oh. and she's not sad enough when she tells Blake Lively either. Now, admittedly, if I was talking to Blake Lively and she was offering me a martini in that suit, I would also be <laughs> laughing nervously. But like, she's not like, oh yeah, my 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 husband and brother, it was really terrible. She's like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> really sad. Um, anyway, um, and it's like. I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was just convinced that she was a murderer. <laughs> there is, yeah, she does have that like kind of a slightly unhinged edge to her, definitely. But you mentioned something, and you as well, Kobe, you mentioned, um, there's a really nice kind of uh, narrative device that they use at the film where it does make you think, can I believe anything this person is saying? Yeah. When they have a, com- when two people have a conversation with each other and then you'll see a flashback that completely contradicts what the person is saying in the present. So they do it with Anna Kendrick talking about what she actually did with her, her brother. brother. Yeah. And then um, happens with Blake Lively when she talks about uh, what actually happened with her sister. Oh yeah, yeah, we haven't actually mentioned the, the twin yet, have well, we? This is, well, well, this oh, is, here we go. There's, there's two. There's two things we definitely need to talk about: yes. uh, the twin, and also Henry Golding as her, her well, the husband stroke lover for Stephanie. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, let's talk about hope and faith. Sure. And charity. Yes. Because oh, I yeah. explained. So hope and faith both have. So Blake Lively plays her her character and her sister, her twin. Hang on. She she Lindsay Lohan's it, and they both have a tattoo. That's parent trap for you, for you guys listening there. <laughs> that has a charity symbol on it, um, and they basically they set fire to their childhood home when they're teenagers and kill their father. I'm not. It's not funny, but it's just this is just, just me responding to the ludicrousness of the film. Um, and then they both separate and agree to meet up at a later point. Um, and but yes, they she makes a very offhand comment to Stephanie at one point, Anna Kendrick that um, she's not just a twin, she was a triplet, but um, her their father joked that they, they, <laughs> Faith and Hope killed the third one in the womb. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is the best script. <laughs> is it? <laughs> just maybe not in terms of plot and story and, and, you know, paying everything off, but the dialogue is great and really snappy and just there's lots of, there's like the great line about um, don't apologise, it's such a fucked up female habit. Yeah. So like, many good quotable moments, yeah. I think that a lot of that, like, stuff I really enjoy in the early film and I also really enjoy sort of uh, both Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick's performances of being very wry about that mm. very American conversation of like, come on, we're empowered now, okay? Like, be empowered. <laughs> this Stop is the apologizing. 90s. Come yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it really feels like the kind of um, 21st century version of in a 90s film, someone being like, don't man up, woman up. Like, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, I love this and I love the way that it's, it's very cleverly like mocking these things. And then the twins thing, yeah, it felt very camper for me, very kind of like Agatha Christie kind of plot twist. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. I, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely something that would be revealed like last minute in a Miss Marple novel. Actually, she had a twin, but no, they were triplets. Yeah, um, and I think the kind of the story and the believability, uh, I think I know a lot of stuff in this film is ludicrous, but I think there is a, a certain line a you lot. can tread. Yeah, <laughs> there is a certain line you can tread to to hold the audience like uh, suspense of disbelief. Have I got that right? Yeah. And, um, but the, it kind of falls off the rails a little bit when you introduce the concept of the twin and then there's a quite a lot of like um, exposition you have to, you have to scrabble a lot in. of backstory yeah. quite quickly. And that would have been, if I was like responding to that script, that would be one of my notes being like, you've got to find a way to feed in these little bits of, because there's Crumbs, so much, yeah. yeah, there's so much in the first act. It would be quite nice like, to kind of lay that yeah. trail early on in the film. Yes. And not have to, yeah, like I say, it has to do a lot of work after the reveal. But also, it takes a long while to get to the setup of what was the simple favour that she asked to, mm -hmm. to bring you back in there, mm. which is a little bit sort of annoying. It's like, come and get to the thing. But for me, the best bits are kind of the start bit where they're, they're kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a trade-off. We wouldn't have Heather had that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I love I love the introduction. Also, in terms of the last 20 minutes, the fourth guy, um, the guy who's like the neighbor, like oh, Andrew Rannells. Yeah, he's who do I love? But I mean, <laughs> yeah, but he's introduced so late as like a relevant plot point. Like he's there at the beginning being a bit bitchy, and then about halfway through the film, he re reoccurs for maybe ninety seconds to talk about brownies, and then at the end, he's like, you know, mommy bloggers unite. And I'm just, I don't understand why we needed him. I don't because think we he had did. A Prius. He had a silent <laughs> Prius. <laughs> Just yeah, like that whole the whole last twenty minutes. I think I made a few notes. So, about yeah, what was, what was in the last twenty minutes? So we'll, yeah, we'll have a bit of a Henry, Henry Golding chat. Um, yeah, so oh, so uh, just a quick note on Henry Golding. The only note I wrote down for him was um, <laughs> closed captions. Shag's wife conflictedly. <laughs> just the bit, <laughs> the bit in the plane where they join the Mar High Club. Oh, yeah. Just the expression on his face. Sorry. I've never seen a man look more conflicted while having sex with his wife. Um, oh, she did steal his mother's ring. Exactly. 
but I was just like... She's bad to the core right from the start. Terrible, terrible woman. But um, yeah, last 20 minutes, I've put, what? Uh, Forgets what it is. Feels like they filmed a joke version to get like the giggles out of their system, but then that was the only version that survived. Um, I think Ken... I love everything Blake Lively does in the last 20 minutes. I think she's she's very consistent throughout. Uh, Kendrick and Golding kind of go a bit weird I, I can't quite put my finger on but uh, even even with Blake Lively's like monologuing like villain monologuing it was she, like she that wasn't plays, it? she does play it very well but it's just terrible like the writing just kind of falls off and then yeah Andrew Reynolds coming out of the, the Prius being like moms and like you're high go away like, <laughs> yeah it's not great it's a shame but um uh, up to that point great film <laughs> yeah I mean I I okay so not to sound like a broken record but <laughs> Why would you choose Sean over Blake Lively? Why would that be the choice? I was really confused in that confrontation. <laughs> when when Hannah Kendrick shot him, I was like, yes, right, cool. Good. Okay, and now you're going to turn to Blake Lively mm. and be like, okay, babe, we've done it. Like, let's run. Let's take the four million, run, take our kids. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Like, this asshole can just lie in the mess he made. Maybe the ambulance will get there on time. Maybe they won't. Who cares? And it would have <laughs> been great. And then it's like, no, she, like, she chose to team up with Sean like come on like and the level of kind of what's wrong with Sean I like Sean I like Crazy Rich Asians there you go Uh, the thing is a a film that has no morals up to that point Mm. suddenly goes actually we want the right thing to happen and the bad person to be punished which was like I think maybe a cop out did you I expected it not to end mm. the way it did uh, with that shooting scene was anyone convinced no 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 okay good (laughs) I liked I did like Henry Golding I think he's very handsome I think he does a good job of being very handsome and and being the kind of the pretty boy Um, I do think that I mean I believe he was playing a deliberately quite vapid character it was Mm. it was interesting that he was the annoying vacuous bimbo in in the situation who will have sex with anyone and is just there to be like he was the losing relationship wasn't he yeah like um but at the same time i think i was just like slightly blinded by the light of blake lively Mm -hmm. um hard not to be i mean look at the woman we're just looking at the little display screen what an incredible woman yeah i I love the outfit she has that's basically just like the inside of a shirt and some cuffs oh yeah when she rips off the little dicky oh genius which also again very erotic moment okay like she literally undresses in front of anna kendrick whilst being like, like she starts by being like hey do you want to have a drink with me and anna kendrick's like blushing and giggling and like i mean i mean do i i mean maybe i do like, like okay and then they go back to her house and blake lively undresses in front of her and anna kendrick's like blushing being like oh okay cool this is i mean i i've never really been adventurous but i'll, I'll try for you blake uh-huh. um <laughs> so it's like as an opening like just as a character study that's an excellent like sequence of scenes I remember as, as it was going through I was just right literally in my notebook just writing down like a column of Stephanie and a column of Emily as in Kendrick and Lively and just like they are complete polar opposites in mm. every single respect and I think that's really really if, if, the, if the film was just a short about them two meeting each other I think that I would have been fine with that it's just I think like that should be like be taught in character studies yeah <laughs> like and actually as, as much as I joke about it and I would enjoy it a lot if they'd made it gay um <laughs> Um, I I genuinely do also think it's a really, really interesting explanation, uh, exploration of two very different kinds of femininity. Mm. Um, And it is interesting seeing them like butting up against each other and seeing the way that like, because I think 
And I actually, I, not 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 to be like, hey, token dude in the room. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't know what Kobe you got from it because for me, even though that that scene where um, Stephanie Stephanie Anna Kendrick goes back with Emily um, uh, Blake Lively to her house, it seems like um, Stephanie is constantly on the back foot. Mm. For me, in a lot of ways, Stephanie kind of has more power than Emily. You can see how Emily is also feeling a bit insufficient because she's just not as good as a mom. And there's a lot of things that Stephanie yeah. is just casually saying mm. about just being responsible. And it's uh, a, I yeah. find it like, a, it's a, it was an interesting kind of tug of war. There's like give and take from from both sides. And like, like I say, Anna Kendrick felt um, that she was a lesser human at some points, but then she was a better mother than mm-hmm. Blake's. And it was like kind of to and fro, back and forth all the time, which I found most interesting. I don't really get Blake Lively. I just don't really get, I can see why she's Sorry, kind of we'll, beautiful and- We'll chat after. Yeah, you can chat after, it's fine. Um, I guess I don't really like the, I'm not a supermodel type guy. So when you, I can see why she's, it's all kind of stylish. Again, fashion for me is something that completely just goes straight over my head. Um, I thought the, the her outfit at the graveyard had me in absolute stitches. Just um, but it wasn't in admiration, it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you're trying to be like, discreet and but then that's that's part of the the timbre of how the film's kind of mm. built together isn't it so it's like yeah well that's who you are um she's walking around with a cane half the time and it's that kind of it might as well have been like dear to ross and scoundrels uh for the kind of and set it could have been, well been set in the 80s i think oh, if yeah. there wasn't the kind of construct of a of a moment it would have been maybe a cable access tv show that she was working on rather than <laughs> I think, uh... a youtube channel but i, I thought yeah blake live for me fine great ish but <laughs> For me, Anna Kendrick was a bigger kind of character in this. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I wouldn't see a film for Blake at the moment. Um, but I can see why she's like a, a big big thing. But Yeah, I've, I've liked her in quite a lot of stuff, even though I can't remember for the life of me what this any is, of them are called. This is really thing. annoying. Like her and Taylor <laughs> Swift, to me, are people like, oh, okay, which one's, which one's Taylor Swift again? <laughs> oh, that one. Okay, good, fine. And then like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Ella's, Ella's like, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that Taylor Swift fans will murder me, but I think Blake Lively is way better than Taylor Swift. Um, don't, don't murder Ella. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do see what you mean. I think that mm. I was thinking a lot in this film was like comparing Blake Lively to Rosamund Pike in, in, in Gone Girl. Because yeah. they are blondes playing mercurial, unhinged women yeah. who are getting revenge on an so annoying Rosamund man. So Rosamund Pike, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I did keep trying to think whether that was like a little bit kind of the script and direction that she began, and it, and it is not like this is supposed to be, I think, comedic as well. Whereas yeah. Rosamund Pike was able to kind of go full thriller and 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 then get really unhinged. That was dark as fuck. I've not seen that since mm. the cinema. Spoilers, careful now. Oh, I, yeah. I just said dark as fuck. I didn't. <laughs> um, but True. yeah, no, I mean, I, I, w- I will take your point about that. Although that's said- no, you don't, have, you don't have to accept my point. You just that's my my opinion. You you you, you fight for the for the film you want. Don't apologize. Okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <thing I'm happy. laughs> I, if we've learned anything from yeah. the film, it's don't say sorry. <laughs> so with that, let's head to the scores. Oh yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Flix Washer Scores. All of our scores are out of five, and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, Becky, as it was your choice with your recommendability, please. I'm going to go for a 3.5 on the recommendability, which might seem low for a film that I absolutely love. But I just, it's definitely not for everyone, I think. I think you do, it's kind of... I don't know if you feel this way, Ella, but for me, this is like kind of a camp shibboleth sort of thing where like if, if someone asks, oh my God, yeah, I love that. Then I'm like, we will be good friends forever. <laughs> but I know that's it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go for 3.5 just because I would have to kind of gauge a person first before I'm like. I like your I use of the like term shibboleth, shibboleth there mm. to uncover because I have films like that where you kind of go. Yeah. Okay. Do you like Donnie Darko? Yes. <laughs> good. Yeah, we we shall be friends. friends. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Ella. Yeah, so I actually also had 3.5. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, for, like, slightly different reasons. Uh, one of them is those last 20 minutes. Um, one of them is that uh, I think a lot of my friends just sort of expect at this point that if I'm recommending the media, there is probably a queer person in it. <laughs> and I know that they also will be like, but they kissed, surely they're lovers. <laughs> and I'm going to be a bit sad. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, you, you you put it exactly. It's like some people are going to love it and enjoy the campness and enjoy the weirdness. And some people are just going to go yeah. on their way. I feel like if you like showgirls, you'll probably enjoy having this on in the background sort of thing. Yeah. Helen. Um, so that's kind of throwing me because I was expecting you to kind of like hit it out the park and, and go like uh, really, really high. Um, I, I'm going to go a bit high. I'm going to go 3.7. Um, because if someone was said, should I watch this? I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's a little bit weird. Um, I, I like the bit the most where basically Blake Lively and um, Anna Kendrick are together on screen. Mm. And I think when she fakes her own death and disappears from it it loses that kind of energy mm. and fun and they do try and cram too much into the setup and the, and the the backstory and the ending is a bit silly but yeah it's 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 an enjoyable film to spend an hour and 57 minutes in uh i'm gonna go for 3.5 as well um if someone asked you to watch it i'll probably gauge them and say not for you ben <laughs> um but i think it's it's fine i gonna go to what like i say it was out and i think it wasn't that big a week in the cinema um and i kind of went you know what i can't be bothered and i think that's i think that's right it's a it's a sitting at home and it's gonna seed into the scores later on i think but if i'd seen this in the cinema i would have been like i think i've i could have done other things than get the train down here and like fight it past all the idiots in leicester square who are breakdancing um so yeah 3.5 repeat viewing score um, I'm going to go for a 2.5. Again, it still might seem a bit low, but um, I probably wouldn't have watched this film for a while had I not been prompted. By How many times have you seen it? This is my second time. Okay. <laughs> but did I, you see it in the cinema the first time or was it uh, both I on Netflix? I did not. I'm very picky about what I go to the cinema to watch now. Sure. So I'm quite happy to wait for things to arrive on the small screen. Um, but uh, I had been very intrigued by the publicity tour for this one because Blake Lively was dressed to the nines for this one. And I was also really intrigued by the fact that it was... Paul Feig slash Feig um, directing a crime thriller about mm. centered around women because he he's he's a great director for that. It's like he he always brings um, the best out of actresses. I feel like um, so I was really interested. Or bridesmaids and ghosts. Well, let's talk yeah, a bit about the Feigster. He, I quite like him. I think he rambles yeah. on in his films too much. I was surprised <laughs> that he 
he did, he directed this. Yeah. Um, but I think things like Bridesmaids and I think Ghostbusters got a, a very unfair, uh, unfair okay. shrift. Rolled up in a bigger thing than it needed. Yeah, to be. yeah. exactly. Um, I don't. I'm not that big a fan of his overall, but I think he, he has got he has got the the kind of vehicle he brings people with him. And, yeah. and he, he, generally, I think he's a good guy, but I think some, quite often he doesn't hit the mark in his films. I'm trying to think which films he has at the moment. Yeah, I, I had a look at his other films and I'd only seen Bridesmaids um, just because I just haven't been in the position to have been offered his other offerings. But I think it's interesting because he's someone who's working in Hollywood who tends to get reasonably decent budgets mm. and mm. manages to get reasonably big female names on the screen and into mainstream Hollywood. So even if he doesn't quite hit the mark all the time, and sometimes I think maybe his scripts could do with some good editing a little, uh, a little bit <laughs> and a little bit of sort of stronger editing in general yeah. to trim down unnecessary bits. But I think if he can, continues to do this, he's, he's at least making interesting films and, you know, putting females into sort of bigger blockbuster movies. Well, he had, um, yeah, so just going through his list, very quickly. So he did a few um, Arrested Development episodes, mm -hmm. which is a, a good training ground for directors, you'd think. Like the Russos did yeah. um, this, and like Jay Ch uh, Chandrasekhar. Um, but then I think Bridesmaid was his first film, which is great. And Spy is really good fun. Yeah. Uh, the Heat's the good heat fun. As well. um, a lot of Melissa, lots of Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Of, a lot of Melissa <laughs> McCarthy. And it kind of gets, uh, maybe I'm confusing too much with Judd Apatow in the kind maybe, of yeah, warbling. Yeah, it's easy to, to mix together. Um, I think what I like about what he's done with this most is that he's kind of hit upon something that's very timely in um, women's keen interest in crime. Um, so, you know, you've got a million true crime, like mommies and murder and wine and crime and things like that. Um, nothing rhymes with murder, all that stuff. Um, that's the joke of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but that's quite, possibly another reason why I really enjoyed this as well, because I do enjoy, or maybe I study true crime a lot just to make sure I don't get moided. Um, but yeah, so the kind of the camp plus the comedy. How do I avoid a moider? <laughs> moider. Um, all the podcasts. This yeah. is all the podcasts. And the fact that Paul Feig does, he does treat actresses incredibly well and gets fantastic performances out of them. I feel like it's, yeah, he's done quite a stellar job on this film, I think. Ella. Well, I mean, what I like about him is that he both... Uh, sort of gives me like hot women but from a female gaze perspective um <clears throat> which I'm not just saying in an objectifying way I also think genuinely the women I mean I haven't seen lots of Paul Feig fake fake films um <laughs> uh but I've seen Ghostbusters and now I've seen this and I think that like, I loved Ghostbusters. It's Chris Hemsworth's best role. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, like, a long way. Why was no one letting him do comedy? Um, and, uh, but, but I also, what I like about Ghostbusters and what I like about this is that the women in those films, even if they're dressed to the nines like Blake Lively, always seem very comfortable mm. in what they're wearing and in the way that they kind of just genuinely generally perform themselves. Um, so I love... Um, Oh, uh, Holtzman in Ghostbusters yes. so much. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I love her so much is she's so comfortable in her own skin. And in this, Anna Kendrick, like, yeah, is, is super uptight and, and, and very much like mommy blogger. Uh, but she's also very comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. she's, she's not, like the clothes she's wearing, she's not wearing because she's wearing uncomfortable shoes because she's trying to show people what she's doing. Like she got these socks from 
from whichever. I was going to oh, say Target. Mazda. Target. Yeah. Target. <laughs> uh, she got these socks from Target. She likes them. They've got little cute animals on them. Like, I really like that. It makes me as a female viewer feel very comfortable watching these films, mm. um, which, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I agree. It's like a second skin and it's, it's very in character. It tells you so much about the characters as well, which I really, really like. So, yeah, I completely agree with your point there. Oh, sorry. You, we need your score. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. This is on the... Repeat viewing. Repeat viewing. Uh, so this is only a two. Um, it's not because I didn't enjoy it. I did really enjoy it. But it is because I think now that I know the twists... Yeah. I'm not sure how eager I am to watch it again. Like, I feel like I would watch it with ice cream or popcorn if I was feeling, like, sleepy mm -hmm. or if I had a cold. So you'd, but, like, you'd quite happily fall asleep after the kind of first half hour. Yeah, exactly. Like, it gets a bit shitty now. Do you know what it reminds me? <laughs> so if I fell asleep at this point, I'll be fine. You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. And this is, oh, I'm really worried I'm saying a lot of controversial things here. It reminds me of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, I could watch the first 20 minutes and I'd be very, very happy. Ooh. And I feel that after those first 20 minutes, when they leave the island... Really, the men get in the way, really. Yeah, yeah. like, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fucking men. <laughs> but like, get the, out. <laughs> but actually, much like Wonder Woman, and, and I do think Patty Jenkins was... was beholden in some ways to the studio that's what i choose to believe and we'll see what happens with the next wonder woman film much like wonder woman i think that the first 20 minutes of this really got like some great stuff about women talking to women and interacting with women and there was mm. some really interesting exciting and fun things that i hadn't seen before and then things started to unravel a little bit and yeah um it's like oh yeah plot <laughs> yeah, yeah could just watch Have these two characters plot. interact all the time but yeah <laughs> that's like so they should do like the trip basically like the two the female version of the trip instead of <laughs> yes. rob Brydon and steve coogan just like like women and anna kendrick i mean <laughs> would that not have been a brilliant film <laughs> well they made the trip into the trip the second one was a was a film and then he spliced it up into a tv show Ah, so they could do that. that. Yeah, Paul Green, uh, not Paul Greengrass. I mean, if you're listening. <laughs> We're going to go, Helen, what's your score for a P-viewing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a, a two as well. Um, I, if someone said, oh, I'm going to watch this, do you want to watch it? I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, not going to rush to do it, but I, you know, I wouldn't begrudge watching it again. It's kind of, it's fun. Uh, I'm going to go for 1.5 for the same reasons. Um, it's fine. If it's on, watch it a bit whilst doing some ironing. Um, small screen score. Uh, I went for a 4.0. 4.0. Uh, what, what, what do you think would have made it better? What, what do you think you're missing on the, on the big screen? Um, I don't know, because I think because I haven't seen it on a big screen, so I can't sort of confidently mm. say, I don't know if I would have appreciated the, the little animals on the Target socks even more or been really like, oh my God, this costuming on Blake Lively is incredible. Um, but I think a 4.0 is okay. I Like watching this... Enjoying the visuals and the styling is like, because I, you know, I look at the Met Gala pictures the day after just scrolling on my phone. I felt like I was quite happy to just watch this on my laptop and I was absolutely, and I can, you know, move around and get stuff done. But that's more like the next school. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think a 4.0 is fine for this one. You can totally get away with watching this on a small screen and enjoy it nonetheless. Ella. I also have a 4.0. Um, <laughs> I think for me, well, two things. I actually watched it on my phone on a train, which meant that Stephanie's blog and stuff like that was really hard to see any ah, of the details Ooh, there are some um, tiny tiny little things in the mm. blog titles i think you're really like. yeah. um, <laughs> so i was like and i mean i could kind of make an educated guess and there's a couple of lines in the script where they refer to it so i was like okay i, I get what's happening here but 
also, I mean, that. And in addition to that, I do think on the big screen, yeah, the costumes, the colours, like, mm. there's a lot of really fun, very deliberate kind of pastiche style saging. Like, actually, one of my favourite outfits in the film, in addition to every suit like Hyopi wears, <laughs> is uh, the bright blue, very housemaidy dress that she wears yes. at the end uh, for that weird, weird scene. But my favourite part of that weird, weird scene was her in this just, because that really hammered home the kind of camp you're reading like a pulp fiction murder mystery Agatha Christie style Mm -hmm. like I could imagine her just like a picture of her on the cover of a sort of ladybird book just you know just you know sweeping at something in the corner uh and that was really cool and I feel like on a big screen like you would have really really gotten that almost pantomime like just Mm. very exaggerated very caricatured very bright and colorful um thing which but that said, it's still a four because I also think that this would be a really cozy, fun thing to watch at home um, and really relaxing. Totally. You could watch this on a plane. And help. Yeah. yeah. Helen. Um, I did watch this on a plane. <laughs> did you? Amazing. Yeah. Um, and it was perfect for that on a small screen. Um, so I'm going to give it a five. It's one, of the, it's one of those films I would never have come across it had you not suggested it. And it had been on Netflix. So it's on there if you're kind of curious to what a potentially possibly gay romance between <laughs> the two leads could have been, then, um, yeah, definitely, you know, give it a go. Fan fiction. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Uh, like I said, if I'd seen this in the cinema, I would have been like, mm, I think I've wasted my time a bit. So I think it works great at home and it's probably the best environment for it. Engagement score. Uh, I went for a 3.9. Um, I don't know why I didn't quite plump for a four. I remember it made sense last night. Yeah, 3.9, I think, just because it's um, probably closely tied to my repeat viewing score Mm. in that while I'm watching it I am very engaged but I'm spending a lot of time also looking up like the the stylist and the publicity tour and I want to know a bit more about the book and all the artists on the French soundtrack the amazing French soundtrack so I'm kind of doing a lot of second screening throughout the film Um, but when I'm engaged I'm very I saw someone tweet about it and say this is like I know I couldn't look away if my house was on fire. <laughs> Just one of those, and I'm like, yes, agreed. So um, I suppose you could argue why I'm still quite engaged in the film because I'm looking up the world of the film, but I'm still not 100% staring at the screen the entire time. So I'm going to give it a 3.9. Ella. I am surprised that my score is higher. Um, yeah, um, so I gave it a 4.5. Um, I gave it a 4.5 because... Uh, I mean, partly because I was I was very invested in the twists. Um, I was very invested in whether or not it was gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is it gay yet? I, I literally... What about now? <laughs> the first... I, I made bullet points whilst I was watching the film. And the first bullet point was, this film is for sure gay and I refuse to believe otherwise. <laughs> and then about six bullet points down was, it is gay when they kissed. And then the next bullet point is, it wasn't gay. <laughs> oh, what a journey. I'm, I'm seeing so this sorry. also playing out in emojis now. I can kind of feel how you might have felt. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whilst I... Was I did, like, some stuff to me was very obvious, like, Blake Lively for sure wasn't dead. There was other stuff where I was... <laughs> <laughs> there was other stuff where I was genuinely surprised, and I was just like, okay, like, I had... I did not see that coming. I did not expect this. There were some mm. bits that were quite thrilling, and I and I liked the cutting of the, the, the past and the unreliable narrator mm. thing. Um, so I thought, yeah, I felt engaged. Helen? Uh, I'm going to give this a solid four. Um, it does quite well to stretch to a one hour 57 and they probably could have lost a good 20 minutes, I think, for me to have been really engaged 
towards the end, I was going to come on then. Mm. Let's wrap it up, wrap it up. But yeah, four. Um, I, uh, I'll go 3.9 as well. I think it was like, she's not dead, but let's see how she's not dead. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, she, he, you've not shot her. You've not shot him, but let's see how you've not shot him. Okay, fine. That's okay. So it was, it was things like that where you kind of, you're ahead of the film, but you're not quite sure how it's going to pan out. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of stuck me in. Um, so 3.9, which gives us an overall score of 3.53125. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I believe we. I'm like one of the joint lowest scoring for this film. <laughs> and that was my suggestion. It does happen. It does happen. People <laughs> seem to be a bit harder in the films that they choose yeah. than others. Um, so we always, obviously, um, each time, guys, if you've listened for the first time, we always reach out to the Twitter sphere and tell them we're going to watch a film. In this case, a simple favour with Jedge Watch, Gedge Watch, Jedge Watch. That's you, Ella. And <laughs> it's Gedge. Gedge. Gedge Watch and Rabbit in the Hat. Uh, have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts for on-air shout-out on FlixWatcher. Um, Becky, do you want to take, give us the first? Yes. So uh, Zoe says, four stars, enormous fan. If it was less comedic, Blake Lively would have gotten an Oscar nod. And Ella? Uh, next one is the IMDB Journey podcast, uh, which gives it three stars and says, a very weird movie in a good way with an excellent gif of Blake Lively, so <laughs> in the dress. Do you want to take the next one as well, which is yeah. a half, half, comp- <laughs> half what, what we wanted? Shall I go for this one? Sure. So from Shaken Not Nerd, love this movie. Uh, and did they come back? No, they never oh. did. Becky. A tasteless podcast says five stars. I adored this movie. Blake Lively is such a star, and it's like nothing I've ever seen. Seen. Ella. Uh, for screen and country, a BFI podcast says. Four stars. <laughs> uh, and Helen, last one. The what to watch list. We loved the simple favour. Just wrote on it last week. Such a fun neo-noir. In short, four stars. On a, plus. Oh, four stars. Oh, yeah. So they're giving four and a half. Well, I don't know. Four, four and a plus. Yeah. On the neo-noir descriptor, I saw someone describe it as a mommy noir which I kind of oh, like okay. as a new yeah. subgenre. We, had, we, <laughs> Ella is clutching her pals. <laughs> I want Mommy Noir. Yeah, Mommy Noir, for sure. Guys, can you sign off by telling everyone where they can find you online and uh, say bye to the listeners? Sure. Uh, so I'm Becky Brynoff. You can find me on Twitter at Rabbit a Hat or at And Then What Pod for my podcast. So I'm Ella Watts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gedge Watts. That's uh, G-E-J Watts. Or you can find my podcast at Orphans Audio on Twitter and Instagram. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. 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 <laughs> Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.